Good morning, and welcome to Drawing the Morning. This is Stuart McClellan, the pastor of the Altoona Bible Church. We are conveniently located at Union Avenue and 31st Street on Route 36, the Columbia Park section of Altoona. We hope that this broadcast will help you think on the things of the Lord as you prepare your heart for ministry among the saints today. Stay tuned for the next 30 minutes of inspiring music, challenging stories, and a Bible study. Listen now as the Altoona Bible Church Choir opens our broadcast this morning with a song entitled, I've Never Loved Him Better. Many years ago, a restaurant owner in Lansing, Michigan, had the honor of having the longest name in the area's phone book. His first name was George, but his last name was P-A-P-P-A-V-L-A-H-O-D-I-M-T-R-A-K-O-P-O-U-L-O-U-S. He offered a free meal to anyone who could pronounce his name correctly the first time. Very few won. And there was a man in DeKalb, Missouri, who insists the following story was true. 
He was traveling in Arkansas, and he stopped overnight at a cabin. The family consists of a man, his wife, and six children, three boys and three girls. The wife told the visitor that she had made up her mind right from the start that she was going to do the best she could for her children and give them the best name she could find so that when they went away from home, if they ever did, they wouldn't be ashamed to compare names with anybody. Whenever she heard a big word that sounded good to her, she memorized it, kept it until she could give it to a new child. She said she didn't pretend to know what the names meant, but she knew that they sounded mighty high-toned and the children never need to be a mite shamed of them. The man asked what the names of the children were, and the mother proudly said that the name of the oldest was telepathy. The second was phraniology, and the third girl's name was tuberculosis. The three boys' names were theophylite, doxology, and e pluribus unum. There have been unusual names in the Bible. Some of them are not very long. There is Huz and Buzz and Og, for example. And many of them are very long and tongue-twisting names as well. But no matter if one name is long or short, spellable or unspellable, Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1 tells us that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And Ecclesiastes 7.1 states, A good name is better than precious ointment. These verses speak of what you make your name stands for rather than how high, mighty sounding your name might be or how fancy. We hope that you're happy with your name. Remember, it could be a lot worse. Listen now as Jim Hamill sings for us this beautiful song entitled, Be Still. Be still. 
You are listening to Joy in the Morning, which is presented each Sunday at the same time by the Altoona Bible Church. We pray that as you listen to our broadcast this morning that you are encouraged and that you and your family are getting ready to attend a good Bible teaching Sunday school and church. If you don't have a church of your own to attend, we invite all who are seeking a Bible-honoring, Bible-teaching church to join us for our services. We begin with our Sunday school hour at 9.30. Here we have many classes for various age groups. We also have a supervised nursery for little ones for all of our services. Then at 10.45 we all gather in the main auditorium for our morning worship service. Then at 6.45 we begin our closing service of the day, our evening fellowship hour. It is important that Christians gather together to study God's Word. Listen now as Jeremy Hetrick plays for us in the trumpet this lovely song, We Worship You, Almighty God. Thank you. 
A strange sight might have seen by a passerby in the city of Leicester, England, in the year 1630. A great church was crowded with worshippers, and many stood outside, peering in through the open windows. The voice of the young minister rang out clear and full on that evening. But suddenly, there was a strange sound. The people on the outside turned to see a man with a violin tucked under his chin, walking slowly in front of the church, playing away. When he reached the corner, he turned again, passed close to the listening crowd. What does this mean, asked a husky fellow standing on the edge of the crowd. The violin player shrugged his shoulders and passed a second time. Come, my friend, go somewhere else to play your tunes. This is a church. Several men left the window and drew near the player. He stopped playing for a moment and announced, I've been sent here to play by the order of the magistrate. This preacher, Thomas Hooker, who dares defy the ancient customs of the church and say that the Bible is the rule for men to follow, is a dangerous fellow and must be driven from the parish. Again, he began to play as loudly as possible. But clear and distinct from within the church came the voice of the preacher. His listeners turned and forgot the man with the violin. The words of the preacher rang out with the message of Christ and his salvation. People were listening so eagerly to the message that they hardly noticed the silent figure pushing his way into the church. At last, when the invitation was given, the man bolted down the aisle and took Hooker's hand. He knelt laying down the violin he carried and received Christ as his personal Savior. It was an illustration of the power of God's word, which is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. The voice of Thomas Hooker was famous in England, but it became even better known in America when he came in 1635 to become one of the leading preachers in the colonies. He lived first in the vicinity of Boston, but later led a group of a hundred people to the Connecticut Valley where a new settlement was being made. They started in June, reaching their journey's end on July the 4th. Other settlers came and with Hooker founded Hartford. Some historians have called Hooker the father of American democracy, but he is best remembered as one of the early American great preachers. He was able to do great things for God because he did not fear what man could do to him. He realized that heaven was his destination and this world was not his home. Listen now as the ABC4 sing for us this wonderful song, Where He Leads, I Will Follow. Sweet are the promises, kind is the word. Dearer far than any message man ever heard. Pure was the mind of Christ, sinless I see. He the great example is and pattern for me. Where he needs a follow, follow all the way. Where he needs a follow, follow Jesus every day. Sweet is 
the tender love Jesus has shown, sweeter far than any love that mortals have known. Kind to the erring one, faithful is he. He, the great example, is in pattern for me. Where he leads, I'll follow, follow all the way. Where he leads, I'll follow, follow Jesus every day. to his loving words, come unto me. Weary, heavy laden, there is sweet rest for thee. Trust in his promises, faithful and sure. Lean upon the Savior and thy soul is secure. Where he leads a Once again, this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, our doors will be open here at the Altoona Bible Church. Time now for our Bible study portion of our broadcast. And this morning, the topic of our Bible study is Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth Temples. The first usage of the word temple was the first temple in Jerusalem. This temple was built by King Solomon and dedicated to the glory of God in 960 B.C. It was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon in 586 B.C. The second usage of the word temple was the second temple in Jerusalem. This temple was built by Zerubbabel after King Cyrus of Media Persia had allowed the Jews to return to the land and rebuild their temple. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 2. This temple was destroyed by the Roman general Titus in 70 AD. And since 70 AD, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem has never ever been rebuilt. Before its destruction, it was the second Jewish temple where the Lord Jesus Christ entered, where he overturned the table of the money changers, where the veil of the temple was rent in two after the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 27:51. It is interesting to note that the twelve apostles and their ministry and relationship to the temple following the ascension of Christ, they did not ignore or preach against the temple, but rather they went to the temple and took any opportunity to preach Christ to the people. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 26. Also, it would have been the second temple in which the Apostle Paul was almost killed by the unbelieving Jews. Acts chapter 21, verses 27 to verse 32. The third usage of the word temple is the Lord Jesus Christ's own body. This temple was not the physical temple in Jerusalem, but rather the physical body of Christ. John chapter 2, verses 18 to 21. Then answered the Jews and said to him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 
Forty and six years was this temple in building, and will thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. The first two usages of the word temple referred to a physical temple, a physical building in Jerusalem. Clearly this physical building was the temple of God. Now according to John chapter 2 verse 18, the Lord's own body was the temple. The nation of Israel was a nation born in signs. Exodus chapter 4 verses 1 to 9, Exodus chapter 4 verses 29 through 31 in 1 Corinthians 1 22. Now they demanded a sign from the Lord. The Lord had given the Pharisees the sign of the prophet Jonah in Matthew chapter 12. Three days and three nights were the Lord's death and then his resurrection. The sign of the three days in John 2.19 was another clear reference to his resurrection. Literally, the Lord was telling those who wanted a sign, You destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And how did the Jews who asked the question about the sign, how did they understand the Lord's words? They thought he was talking about the physical building, but the Lord meant his own body. The 46 years was a reference to King Herod refurbishing the Jewish temple. Later, when the two witnesses came to testify against the Lord Jesus Christ, they used the words of Christ in John 2 against him. They misrepresented what he actually said and had what he had said about the temple and again indicated the reference to the temple was a physical building and they did not understand that it was his body. Before we continue our study this morning, we need to see some important truths concerning the word temple. Question. Did the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry ever enter into the Jewish temple? The answer is absolutely yes. Question. Did the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry ever enter into the holy place or the holy of holies in the Jewish temple? Absolutely not. How could the Lord Jesus Christ enter the temple, but not enter into the Holy of Holies? Remember, he never functioned as a priest during his earthly ministry. He was not born of the priestly tribe of Levi, but of the kingly tribe of Judah, Matthew 1. He will be the high priest of the nation of Israel, not after Aaron's priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek, Psalm 110, verse 4. As we will study in a few moments, there are literally two different Greek words for the word temple. Further questions. Did the Apostle Paul ever write in any of his 13 church epistles that it was the commission of the church, the body of Christ, to build a Jewish temple in Jerusalem? The answer is no. Question. Today in the dispensation of grace, is the temple of God a literal physical building in Jerusalem? And the answer is no. In the weeks to come, we will talk upon the issue of the temple today in the, in the body of Christ and in the dispensation of grace. In the New Testament, there are two different words, two different Greek words translated the word temple. The one word for temple refers to the innermost sanctuary, the holy of holies. The other word for temple refers to the entire building. It is critical to understand that there are these two different words for the word temple. The word for the innermost sanctuary, the holy of holies, it's nahos, N-A-O-S. It's used some eight times in Paul's epistles. And the word for the word building is only ever used one time, 1 Corinthians 9.13. 
In fact, 1 Corinthians 9.13 is not the only time this word is used by Paul, but it's the last time this specific word is ever used in the New Testament. In John chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, you'll see the word temple there is the word for building. When Christ says, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. But he spake of the temple of his body. That word temple is the innermost sanctuary. So we have studied that there are two different Greek words for the word temple. One is the holy of holies, the innermost sanctuary. The other one meant the collection of the buildings. We need to, we're going to continue to study on the word temple of God and continue to see the various usage. We need to understand this, and again, this is something that we need to understand in light of the word of God, absolutely rightly divided. So we encourage you to continue to read your Bible, have your Bibles open, and study along with us as we continue to study God's word and understand what it means to rightly divide God's truth. been listening to Join the Morning from the Altoona Bible Church. We trust that you've received a real spiritual blessing from this broadcast. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan wishing you God's best for now and for eternity. Jesus is my name.